Well, I want to start off this morning, we're going to take a pop quiz, okay? We're going to take a pop quiz this morning. You remember what it was like when you were in school and they would denounce there was a pop quiz in your mind? You're like, oh, I knew I should have studied. <laughs> I knew I should have paid attention. All right, so here are the three questions. I want you to, to listen to these questions. I want you to answer them to yourselves. First question is this. I believe when I sin that God gets angry at me. Is that true or false for you? I believe that when I sin, God gets angry at me. Second question, I believe when I'm good, God blesses me. I believe when I'm good that God blesses me. Last question, I believe when I mess up that God withholds blessings, that God puts a stop to the blessings that were coming my way when I mess up. And so what I want to do today is I want to look and help us to uncover some of these long-held beliefs that we've had about God. I don't know if any of you have heard this story recently, but on LinkedIn, I saw uh, this story about this woman who was at a gas station and she was trying to pay for gas with coins. And these two guys came up and they saw her and they paid for the gas for her and come to find out that she had just recently lost her husband. And so when you read stories like that, the first thing I do, I don't know about you, is I go right to the comment section to see what people say, and you start getting people fighting each other and everything like that. So the very first comment in that section was a, a gentleman who said, man, good things come to, to those who do good. And I thought in my head, I was like, that, if you could summarize what people's view of God is, that's probably it right there. They think that the great scorekeeper in the sky is looking at that and saying, great job. Go ahead and release a few blessings for this person right here. <laughs> right? And that's what we think. And so we, what is it? This idea of karma, right? When you do something good, something good will come back to you. And so I spend my life trying to do good stuff so it comes back to me. And so that, I thought, was a really good understanding of what most people believe about God. In essence, what we're doing is we're making ourselves God. Because if I act good, then I can control God. And so I am trying to make myself a God by the things that I do. If I do bad, then something bad happens. If I do good, then something good happens. And so what I want to look at today in this scripture, I want to look at some of the long-held misconceptions that we have about God and how he acts and what he does. And so today, the big idea that we want to look at is how God's justice, God's justice is what brings healing in our lives. And so I call this sermon, the truth about, that's for the sermon up on the website, Trina. I'll make it really easy for you. It's called the truth about God. The truth about God. And so the main takeaway today is I want to look at what does Scripture have to say about who God is? What does it actually say in the Bible? What does God actually reveal about himself, about who he is, and specifically how he works? And so we're going to look at Acts 28, 1 through 10. This is the very last chapter in Acts and so we've been in this sermon series, actually not this sermon series, we've been in this book for a while, and so this is the very last chapter that we are in Acts. And so before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray this morning 
that you would speak to us through your word. And God, I know that for many of us, we've had certain views about who you are and what you do and how you act. But Lord, we pray that you would just settle our hearts and minds this morning to hear from you specifically who you are, that you would reveal to us who you are, what you came to do, and what that means for us, Father. And we ask this and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So we're going to start off in verses 1 through 6. This is Acts 28. And it says this, After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they, were, they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. And so remember where we are right now. So the Apostle Paul is on his way to where? Rome, right? He's on his way to Rome because that's where the Lord wants him to go to testify about him. And because of where they are, they're in the sea and the ocean, and they're having problems, and the sea was turbulent, they have to make a stop, and they make a stop in a place called Malta. The ancient word is Melita. It's a place of refuge. It's about 60 miles south of Sicily, which would sound really good right about now, right? 60 miles south of Sicily. And when you read in the Scripture... And it uses the term native people. Well, the term native people in Scripture actually translates to barbarians. And so when Luke is writing this, what he's really saying is, we arrived in Melita, the place of refuge, and we came across some barbarians who showed us unusual kindness. That's what he's saying right there. And so what happens? Paul is gathering sticks because they're building a fire. He's gathering sticks. Now, what are snakes like when it's cold? They're stiff and motionless. And so he's picking up sticks, and as he gets close to the fire and he puts them down the fire, bam, a snake attaches to his hand. And the people look at him and say, he's getting what he deserved. Justice is giving him what he deserved because he, he survived the sea, but he's a murderer. And so he's getting what he deserve right there. Now, when they use the term justice, it's not just abstract thought of justice. What they're thinking of is the, the goddess named Dyke. And they're saying is, this goddess is finally giving him what he deserves because he was probably a murderer. And they look at him that way, right? Bad things happen to bad people. That's why he got bit right now. And that's what they're thinking. Now, depending upon your responses to our earlier quiz, how often do we fall into the same trap? Bad things happen to bad people, and that when you do something bad, God is unhappy with you. He's keeping his scorecard. He's got a clipboard, just like Dave in the back right there. Dave's got a clipboard and a pen, right? 
and they're just keeping score when you do something wrong. Anybody ever experienced this before? So in my life, when I wanted a blessing or I was praying about something in particular, man, I did my best to make sure I didn't sin because I didn't want that to be taken away from me. And so I was living my life very carefully. Don't mess up. Let's not rock the boat because I'm praying about this thing. And so if I sin, God's going to be like, all right, hold it up. He's not getting it. And so we live this life where we determine how God responds to us because we think we are in control. And if I'm good, God blesses me. And if I'm bad, God's like, and is just looking at me and can't wait to stick it to me because he's been waiting all this time to just stick it to me when I sin and when I mess up. There's a gentleman named uh, Nabil Qureshi. He's with um, the Ravi Zacharias Institute, and uh, it's a Christian apologetics. And so this man is, uh, is someone who was Muslim, and he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I can't help but imagine for all the people who were of the Muslim faith, faith who knew of his um, becoming a Christian, well, he was actually diagnosed with cancer, and he died of cancer. And I can't imagine that people probably looked at him and was like, see, you turned away from God, and this is what's happening to you now, that God has given you this, and he actually went and he passed away also. It's this idea of karma, right? We profess to be Christians. We profess to follow the Christian faith, and yet we fall into the same exact trap because we think when you do something good, then good things will happen to you, and when you do something bad, something bad. And we think to ourselves, you know what happened? I didn't go to church this week. I forgot to go to church. I forgot to read my Bible. That's why this bad thing is happening to me. And so we have a misconception about how God works. Is this really how he works? Is this what he, how he works? Is this what the gospel shows us? You see, because what happens? Paul actually lives. He doesn't die. He lives. And so now, what do they do? They worship him as a god, right? They're like, oh. We aren't worthy, right? And so they've gone all the way to the other side of the pendulum now, and they think he is now a god. But they're wrong again. They are like boats without anchor. They're just being tossed to and fro by what they see and what's going on right now. He suffers no harm. Why? Because God has protected him to get him to Rome to fulfill the purposes that God has. That's why. And so they don't understand the truth about God and how he works. You see, the very first application from the Scripture is this. People have the wrong view of God and how his justice works. And so Paul, making himself available wherever God has him, whatever is going on in his life, he exposes the untruths that they have in their life and their, their views about God and what is really going on. And they have the wrong view of justice because they believe that God just wants to stick it to them and is waiting to bring justice on them at that very moment right there. People will often form their opinions of God based upon what they see going on, not by the truth of who he is and what the Bible says and what he's revealed to us. And we see this. Think about this. Think about Carson Wentz, for example, right? Who is more godly than Carson Wentz? He actually built a food truck for, like, people who were hungry, right? 
And so it confuses people when they see someone who is good, but yet he suffers an injury and he's done, right? Well, how do I reconcile both of those? Don't good things happen to good people? Well, why did this bad thing happen to somebody who was good? And so what do we say? We say it doesn't matter. The backup quarterback's Christian too. Boom, right? <laughs> so we're still going to win the Super Bowl because he's still a Christian, right? But we think that. We think that. And so how do you reconcile both of those things when you see that? And that's what's happening right here. Paul is a good person, right? What we think is good, and something bad has happened to him. It doesn't make sense to us. It's not because he's wrong. It's because our view of how God works and how everything works is wrong. I got laid off in 2002. Now, when you hear somebody say that they were laid off, what's the first question that usually pops in your mind? What did you do wrong, right? That's what we naturally think. Somebody says, I got laid off. What did you do? Or if you don't say that in your mind, you're like, you probably did something you weren't supposed to be doing, right? Well, in 2002, I got laid off because the company I worked for was basically, the funny thing about businesses, you actually have to make money to keep it going. And so they were spending a ton of money, and my job involved travel. And so they basically, they weren't making any money, and so they eliminated travel. And so I got laid off in 2002. Now, what was happening then? God was moving me to where he wanted me to be. And he knew that I was never going to leave that job. I, man, I was young. I was single. I was traveling around the world. I loved it. And he was like, I'm ready to move you to where I want you to be. And he used that event to move me. It wasn't because I hadn't gone to church. It wasn't because I, I hadn't done this and hadn't, hadn't prayed enough. And so one of the things that you see in the Apostle Paul's life is he just goes with, using today's terminology, he goes with the flow. And wherever the Lord leads him is where he is serving the Lord. And he understands it's not because God is trying to get, get him back or stick it to him, because he makes himself available to what God is doing in his life. Paul was not bit because he was a bad person. He was bit because snakes bite people. And he was picking up sticks, and there was a snake, and it bit him. But that situation allowed him to expose their misconceptions about God. And in the midst of it, Paul didn't scream and say, God, why are you doing this to me? He understood. He was calm. He was unconcerned. But most of all, what the Lord was doing was the Lord was building his faith and his patience in the midst of the situation that he was in. What God is concerned about is spreading the gospel, is pointing people to Christ and to what he came to do and the truth of who God is. In our lives, God may protect us, but there may be times he may not. But what he's concerned about, he's concerned about spreading the gospel to people who don't know him. They don't know him. And they have misconceptions about who he is. And in the process of that, he continues to build our faith and our patience. And as, as we said up there, our dependence upon him. This is how God works. How do we know? Because you see it all over Scripture. This is what it says in the Bible. 
And so we see the truth of God here. Let's look in verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. And so here they are. The governor of that island is named Publius, and at that particular time, his father had a fever and was sick with his dysentery. What a coincidence that is, right? And so Paul goes there. Paul lays hands on him. He prays, and he's healed, and he heals him. And people hear about it, and they come to get healed also. They never intended to get to Malta. But they end up there. Paul gets bit. And now he goes. He survives. He goes and he's laying his hands and he's, and he's presenting people with the truth and the gospel. And he's healing people because God is working through him. God is incarnating and stepping into their lives through Paul. And not only that, God provides and blesses them because they're getting ready to go off to Rome and they provide for them and they help them because God is trying to get him to Rome to preach the truth about Christ. You see, that's the second application. God will put us in places where we can bring healing to other people. Does that mean that you're going to lay hands on somebody and heal them for where they are? No, but we can provide healing to people by pointing them to Christ and the truth of what he came to do. And people have come face to face now with God, with Christ through Paul and what he's doing. And God is making a way for people to hear the gospel. One of the most beautiful things about the book of Acts is you see God's footprints all over it. And so in the Praying Life seminar that we do, when we teach people to pray, like one of the most beautiful things is when you pray and when you stop to watch how God answers these prayers, what you see is God weaving his story through your life. And he answers prayers. And he's doing it in our every days of our life. And so what happens when you take these two things together in this scripture right here? The first is you see the truth about God and how his justice works. And the second is it brings healing into other people's lives through Christ. The truth about God and the truth about his justice is what brings healing healing to people. When you look in the Gospels, in John, in John 12, it was Jesus who said this, whoever loses his li- loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The Gospel message The good news is not about us determining how God treats us. It's not about us determining how God treats us. Because at the end of the day, every single one of us has turned away from God and has sinned. And so we all deserve to be punished for our sin. But the gospel message is where God does not punish us for our sin. He takes it out on his only son. And you can imagine as Jesus is beaten and mocked and spit upon and bloody and he's hanging on the cross, 
How many religious people looked at him and said, you turned away from God and you did something wrong and that's why you're up there. But when you understand the gospel message, Jesus was not taking the punishment that he deserved. Jesus was taking the punishment that we deserved. And so you understand God and his justice. His justice demands that somebody has to pay for the sin. But I love you too much to have you to do it. And so God comes and literally takes out his justice and his wrath and his anger on himself. That's the truth of who God is. That's the truth that people don't know because they live their whole lives thinking that God is ready to punish them and to stick it to them as soon as they mess up. And that's not what we see in the gospel. That's not what we see in the Bible. The cross is the perfect intersection of God's justice and his love. And how does he fulfill it? By sending his own son to the cross. And honestly, when you receive the free gift that he offers us, that's what brings you healing. That's what brings healing. What he came to do on the cross. Jesus Christ is the self-revelation of God to us. When I look at Jesus, I'm looking at God. You want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus. You want to know what God is like? You see what he did when he humbled himself and allowed his own creation to beat and mock and spit on him and hang him on a cross and kill him so that he could raise three days again. That's what God is like. That's what he's like. Once you know Jesus... As your Lord and Savior, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now lives through you. Jesus lives his life through you. And so when Jesus says to us in the book of John, is where I am, my servant will be also. You look at the life of Jesus when he was here. And it it says things like when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd. And he felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Or when it says Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. That's what marked Jesus' life. He went toward people, and he was healing them with the good news of the gospel, with the good news of the kingdom, and telling them what he has come to do. The cross was the truth about God and his justice and his love, and it was our healing. And the Apostle Paul lives his everyday life with that truth. And he tries to bring it into people's lives wherever God has placed him and wherever Christ is leading him. He goes with the flow wherever the Lord has him. And so what does that mean for us? Again, number one, people have the wrong view about God and the wrong view about his justice. And so we have to point people to the truth of who he is. Who God truly, truly is. How we live and what we say. And how do we do that? You've got to know the gospel. Anybody here afraid of sharing the gospel? That's all right, you don't have to raise your hand because I know you're afraid. Right? Deathly afraid of telling somebody about Jesus. Deathly afraid of telling people about Jesus. Let me make it easy for you. Most times we struggle with sharing the gospel because we're afraid of confronting people about sin 
and telling them that they may not be living right and that they're in need of a Savior. But if you go and you approach it by telling people, let me tell you really good news. I am blessed with the opportunity to tell people that their view of God is not right. That he is not waiting just to punish you and send you to hell as fast as he can. But he made a way by taking the punishment on himself. Why? Because he loves you so much that he doesn't want to spend eternity without you. I have the opportunity of going and sharing that with people. That's good news. Now, whether they receive it or not is another thing. But I'm telling them the truth. Have I sinned? Have you sinned? Yes, I have. Is God hate? Does he hate sin? Does he take out his wrath on sin? Yes, he does. But the beautiful thing is when I see Jesus on the cross, that's where he did it. And so that it doesn't have to be me. And he's offering you a free gift so that you can experience and know him forever. That's what this is all about. That's the good news that we get to share. People have the wrong view of God, and it's just in a second. God puts us in places where we bring healing to other people. I guarantee you, as soon as you leave these doors today, you go back to work, you go home, anywhere you go, you are coming face-to-face with people who need to hear that, who need healing, Right? Healing, spiritual healing, healing for broken lives, healing from past hurts, and healing from sin. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do and how we're called to live wherever God takes us in our life, wherever God leads us. Why? Because God is weaving his story through each of our lives. Let's pray.